Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. Sooners are coming off a bye week and getting ready to enter the stretch run of the season. Lots and lots to talk about that and more. But before we get to all things Sooner football, we want to say thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. Midfirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western, Western Heritage Museum, and the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Jacko, a newcomer comes to town on Saturday. Central Florida will be at Owen Field. And before the season started, you might have chalked this up to being a tough game for OU. Now the Knights have gone off the rails. What has gone wrong for Gus Malzahn's team? Woof, yeah. Uh, sort of has fallen into the, uh, the the same fate that most of the teams that have joined the Big 12 ha- have this year. They're just struggling. And, you know, I guess maybe this is what you expect when a team joins the Power Five for the first time, that they are going to have some growing pains. You know, I think we, we expected that Houston was going to have growing pains. They have. We expected that um, Cincinnati would have growing pains. They have. But UCF seemed like, uh, you know, maybe in addition to BYU, the team that would come in and be able to compete better right away. And instead, you know, they have not had the results um, that you would want. I mean, they had Baylor beaten, Barry, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. They had him beat and and gave up a ton of fourth quarter points. So just it has to be a disappointing uh, go right now for UCF for their fans to not be playing better in the Big 12. But, you know, they come to Norman as a team that is in dire need of uh, some Big 12 success. You know, UCF's got to be kicking itself. They lose John Reese Plumley, their really good quarterback. He, we thought he'd be an impact player in the Big 12. He gets hurt in week two, hasn't returned. But UCF's offense has been pretty good. Been Timmy McLean is a transfer from South Florida. They, they've uh, they've been putting up points. They lose a tough one to, to uh, K-State in a really good game. Then, as you mentioned, they take a 36-10 to 10 lead uh, in the fourth quarter on Baylor and give it up for Crane. A 35-10, lose 36-35. Unbelievable meltdown. Then they go to Kansas, get steamrolled. So they gotta, they gotta be, uh, they gotta be uh, just wondering what's going on. And I'm, I'm sort of mystified um, on how all of the uh, newcomers are struggling. If they'd come into a prime Big Twelve, if they'd come into the Big Twelve of, of two or three years ago, ten or twelve years ago, you could understand it. But this yeah. is not a. This is a this is a watered down Big Twelve. It's the weakest the league's ever been, and yet they're there at the bottom. The uh, the newcomers, yeah. uh, along with Baylor, are the are the worst teams in the league. Yeah, it is really surprising. And I I did I, I know that the most of the newcomers were picked low in the preseason polls and stuff, Barry. But I thought that was just because you know we didn't have a, a good idea of what they'd be, but. That's really proving to be absolutely true. I'm surprised by that. I don't know about you, but I thought we'd see more wins out of the newbies. And maybe they're coming, but, you know, you look at the fact that all four of them still have to play a surging OSU team. Um, you know, OU's still got a couple on the schedule. Start uh, Obviously, already played Cincinnati at UCF coming up. 
I don't know. I don't think there's a ton of wins against legacy Big 12 teams waiting out there for these teams. It doesn't appear to be. You know, I thought UCF and Brigham Young, I thought UCF might finish four, five, six range. I thought BYU would be middle of the pack. I figured Houston and Cincinnati would struggle just because of where those programs were uh, coming into this year. But what we're seeing is uh, it's just a difficult transition. And, you know, if you look back historically, it has been a little bit rough. We haven't had a ton, <laughs> excuse me, we haven't had a ton of uh, of mid-major advancements into the power structure. We've got the the TCU lesson from uh, from 10 years ago. Uh, the Horned Frogs had a little bit of a struggle first year in the Big 12. Got going pretty good by year three in the Big 12. Was a uh, you know, national contender. But uh, you just sort of figured these teams been playing high-quality opponents, each other for one thing, in the American Conference and, and doing well in, in, uh, in non-conference games and bowl games and whatnot. So uh, I'm a little surprised, but clearly the uh, roster takes a while to build up. Clearly there's a difference in quality of athlete. Most of these coaches that I talked to, the four newcomers, they were all uh, two, they had two modes going. One was concern that they weren't be weren't up to speed yet. And the other was um, mystery on exactly how they matched up with the Oklahomas, the Texases, the Oklahoma States, the Texas Techs, those kinds of programs. So they were learning the hard way. It's, it's going to be a tr- tough transition here in year one. Even though UCF is struggling heading into this game against OU, if there was ever a time for a Sooner letdown, this might be it, Barry. Coming off that big win against Texas, obviously, uh, is there concern? Is Should there be concern about any sort of letdown coming off that big Red River win? Well, now, this is this is far before your time. Uh, you know, 20-something like you doesn't remember the old days. But <laughs> this used to be a big deal. Uh, the post-Texas letdown in Norman. Uh, mostly it was a sort of a Switzer phenomenon. Now, it also was more myth than fact. But a couple of, you know, j- doesn't take much to get, a, uh, to get a theory going. And there was always that concern. My memory is that didn't really affect Bob Stoops that much, his era uh, coming out of Texas. But it's perfectly, it perfectly makes sense, right? I mean, biggest OU win under Brent Venables. Huge statement performance and the, the emotion that goes into that game, the revelry that comes out of that game. You know, it's, it's just a natural tendency. On top of this, though, we had, we had the off week. So does the off week sort of absorb? Is, is it the quicker picker-upper? Does it clean up all the spillage of, of uh, the, the mess? I don't know. We're going we're gonna to find out. Uh, a perfect... Uh, a perfect letdown would have been the Sooners playing Central Florida last week. This week, we'll see if it's back to business. Yeah, that's a great point. And by the way, if we keep this segment going long enough, we'll get you all sorts of 80s uh, references, Barry. You can talk about the Sooners in the 80s and add 80 uh, slogans. This this could be fun. I don't know where this yeah. is going, but it... Don't ever get me into the seven. Don't ever get me into the seventies. You'll never get me off the air. We'll have an eight-hour podcast. <laughs> maybe someday we'll give that a try. But it does seem like a letdown is possible. That maybe we're not going to see the Sooners playing at the high level that we saw them play in the Cotton Bowl. But you know, I do think that you know this is 
this is now a team that has to be mindful. And I know we're going to talk at some point here about playoff potential, but if you're a team that's in the conversation for the college football playoff, now you got to be mindful of playing well all the time. You want to continue to build that resume for the college football playoff selection committee. So, um, yeah, could there be a letdown? Yes. But if the Sooners are focused on not only, you know, week to week, but potential big goals contending again for championships, both in the big 12 and beyond to me, that should set them up mentally to not have the, the letdowns. But this is, you know, this is a, a new team. You've got obviously the Venables era. This is uncharted territory for this group and for this, uh, for this coaching staff. So how do they approach it? That's going to be something that we're going to get a chance to see. And the answer is, we don't know. You know, could there be a letdown? Absolutely. Will there? We're going to have to wait to see on Saturday. Yeah, you know, Brent Venables doesn't strike you as the kind of coach yeah. that would be in the business of letting his team, you know, sort of uh, – to take a take a week off or or not be ready emotionally. I mean, Brent Brent's always ready emotionally, whether it's uh, a kickoff for the Cotton Bowl or a Tuesday in April when you run into him at Safeway. So uh, you know he's 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 always on edge. He's always on his his motor's always running. Um, if a team is a reflection of its coach, it's probably a good sign for the Sooners. Um, but this is a uh, this is the kind of uh, test that a program needs. This is the kind of uh, sort of a check, a mental check that's good for a, a, a revamped uh, situation like Oklahoma going into from Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables. This is the kind of thing you need to learn about yourself. So well, let, let me ask you, Jacko, what would you like to see out of the Sooners after the energy and emotion of that OU Texas game? Yeah, I think, um, you know, they, they didn't have a ton of penalties in the Texas game, which I thought was a huge, uh, you know, tip of the cap deserved for the Sooners that they were in such a highly charged game and you didn't see a ton of, uh, a ton of mistakes, a ton of unforced errors. We saw Texas make several of those. They had several 15 yard penalties that, you know, were big in that game. So I think limiting penalties and busts and just, you know, unforced errors. If they can have a game, you know, and they, you have, UCF might come in here and, you know, have some tricks up their sleeve and do some things to score or hold the Sooners. I mean, that's entirely possible. So I'm not going to say I need to see a shutout or I need to see a 40-point win. But I think if Oklahoma can play cleanly again, I'd like to see that. And frankly, Barry, one of the things coming out of that Texas game that I didn't love uh, was Texas receivers running a little too wide open uh, for my liking or probably Brent Venable's liking. So I'd like to see a few less receivers running without any sooner close to them. Uh, I think those two things, limiting penalties, staying clean, staying, uh, you know, as close to penalty or penalty free as you can, and then clean up some of that coverage situations. I don't know if it was miscommunications. Texas obviously has a great play caller in Steve Sarkeesian. It might have been scheme. But to not have as many receivers running open, I think, would be a good step, too. You know, it's a great point. And that's one of the things about winning a game, right, is you don't focus on, when I say you, I'm talking about fans, media, whoever, not really Brent Venables, but you, you don't concentrate on the things that went wrong. You celebrate all the things that went right. Sure. And the truth is, down in Dallas, all kinds of things didn't go great for the Sooners. And that was number one on the list. So, that particularly the middle of the field, uh, open receivers, um, clearly 
Uh, Steve Sarkeesian found some something schematic to get the Sooners in the wrong place, and away we went. Saw quite a bit of that from Kansas against Oklahoma State the other day. You see it all over football. It's it's just part of the give and take of of, uh, of the game of football. Uh, I like OU's chances of fortifying that though because of Venables. If if they have to fix something more concrete, like say the running game. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not as confident, but fix holes in the defense with Brent Venables. Uh, I think that's likely to happen. So I'm, I'm sort of with you um, on that. Uh, the one thing I would like to see uh, in addition is I would like to see the tailback game get going. Maybe more. I'm waiting for Javante Barnes to get healthy. I want to see if that's a, if that's a deal. Um, because that's the thing that concerns me is that OU offense just can't get the running game. Um, and maybe we might talk about this later, but that's my number one concern, I would think, is just getting the running game going. Yeah, I think we will hit on that in a second uh, more extendedly. But um, back to the defense for just a second. Something that Oklahoma doesn't need to do much fixing on and that we don't necessarily need to see because we've already seen it is keeping the other team out of the end zone, Barry. Seven, uh, seven touchdowns, seven offensive touchdowns by opponents in six games. Um, just a remarkable, remarkable number when you think about where this defense was a year ago. Um, just really hard to think that they would be in a position to be able to say that statistically at this point. Can they keep that up? Is there any chance that that kind of, well, at the end of the season, we're saying, man, they only allowed like 12 or 14 offensive touchdowns this year. I don't think so for three reasons. One is it's 2023, 1956. <laughs> Number two is uh, the Selman brothers continue to be ineligible to play for the Sooners. So as much as we love the Dayson McCullough, Dejon Terry, um, uh, Danny Stutzman, Bothroyd. Bothroyd, Billy Bowman, Peyton Bowen, all those guys, as much as we love them, they're not the Selman brothers in Rod show. So, and number three, the Sooners are actually about to hit a, a little stretch of potent offenses. Whatever the problem is in Orlando, it hasn't been offensively. UCF has done a great job moving the ball and scoring points, even in in their uh, slide. Uh, Timmy McLean, as I mentioned, really good backup quarterback. He's been producing. Gus Malzahn is, a, is an offensive whiz as a coach. So, um and, and next week, uh, yeah, Kansas Sooners go to Kansas. Jayhawks can can score, so they're not gonna they're not gonna give up three touchdowns total in those two games. I don't think if they do, we're gonna have to reconvene this show and change uh, the narrative. But uh, but you know, I think they can play solid defense. Hold those teams. Let's say you hold those two teams to five collective touchdowns. I think that's really good defense. I think that's winning defense. That would be a good sign. Uh, going forward, um, you know, we we talked about uh, those receivers running, f- uh, the Longhorn receivers running free. Yeah, uh, I I look at I look at OU's defensive backs, and uh, they strike me as not the greatest of coverage people. Um, Woody Washington's good. Uh, yep. Gentry Williams is good, breaking on the ball and stuff. But you go into the you go into the safety position, and I look at Billy Bowman. Um, he's his biggest contr- contributions to that game, not necessarily in pass coverage, but in physicality. Yeah. And 
you know, he hits the hard hit on was it uh, was it Sanders, the tight end that he popped so hard and caused the interception. Um, yeah. You know, if 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 you if you make mistakes in coverage, you you need to you need to make it up somewhere. And I thought the Sooners out hit Texas. Um, yeah. You know, the the games run together on me, but it wasn't that the game where uh, you know four or five times per quarter a guy was laying on the ground. A uh, little banged up, not real hurt, but laying on the ground. Most of the time, that was Longhorns laying yeah. on the ground. So yeah. I thought the Sooners out hit Texas, and that's a very good sign for Brent Venable's defense. If yeah. you can't cover them, you know, knock them down. And I, I think the, that's one thing Brent can build on if he does have coverage issues. We'll see if he does. Yeah. Uh, the corners are good. Gentry Williams, Woody Washington. That's a good corner tandem. So I think it's probably a safety issue over the feet, over the middle of the field. That's usually the deal. Yeah. But that's one play. That's one way I would say eh, that's one way they're making up for whatever deficiencies they might have. Yeah. And, and though, and I, I agree. I think there are some issues and you know, this is not a perfect defense, still an evolving defense, but um, you know, if you think about keeping teams out of the end zone, um, you know, if they get to the end of the year and in 2023, you allow, like, let's say it's an average of two touchdowns a game. Let's say that's what they get to the end of the season allowing. Right now, it's a little over one. If they get to the end of the season and allow two touchdowns on average per game, that's really good. That means that they've figured out a way to cover up those deficiencies, um, whether it's, you know, safeties that aren't maybe great in coverage just yet. Uh, maybe that's, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever the issue is. I think that would be a good goal number because there are things that you're not going to be perfect at. And, you know, Barry, let's switch to the offensive side of the ball, talking about, you know, maybe some deficiencies. The Sooners just lost potentially their best wide receiver and Andrew Anthony got an injury. He's going to be out for the rest of the year. That leaves them looking a little different at wide receiver. How big of a loss is Andrew Anthony in your mind? I feel bad in saying this. And it, this has really nothing to do with Andrew Anthony, but I don't think it's that big of a loss for two reasons. One, Anthony, while being a very good player, had really not, this is not losing C.D. Lamb. This is not losing Hollywood yeah. Brown. This is not losing somebody that has clearly established himself as a big-time playmaker. He's well on that way. He's on a nice road. He was doing a really good job. But the the difference between... Uh, the guys below a Andrew Anthony, it's not as great as if you lose a superstar. The other thing about Oklahoma receivers, and frankly, most receivers, which everyone from gen NFL general managers to uh, to eighth grade coaches should know, is wide receivers fall out of trees. Uh, the world does not have a shortage of quality wide receivers. You lose a defensive tackle and, you know, batting down the hatches. But a wide receiver, those guys can be found. And I think they can probably be found on this uh, on this OU roster. I don't know who's going to make up for the production. Um, you know, I think I think you'll see uh, probably a, a committee type situation. We clearly, you know, Nick Anderson's become a big play receiver. Is yep. Six touchdowns, eleven catches. I think is his ratio. Uh, throw him the ball more. Um, you know, uh, Jack Harris had away had a big game. Had a lot of catches in week one. Hadn't done much since. But he's, you know, he's already played at this level. So I think they'll be able to find 
production. I just don't know where it's coming from, and it doesn't have to be from one person, I guess is the way I would say it. Yeah, and I think Oklahoma does have a wide receiver group that, you know, does have some potential, does have some talent. I mean, even a guy like Brennan Thompson, who had, you know, a, a, a you know, played his first game uh, before the Texas game and then was pretty, you know, quiet against Texas. I mean, you've got guys that have shown they can do some stuff. Um, so those guys, it just means more chances for guys down the pecking order. And will they step up? How will they play? How consistent will they be? I think that's the thing that to me, you started to see Andrew Anthony be a guy that looked like, along with Drake Stoops, uh, probably one of those safety valve guys for Dylan Gabriel, where if you know things were going amiss, he knew he could find Andrew Anthony and probably make a positive play. So that becomes a little less um, likely. But I mean, I think that they do have I think they do have pass catchers. I think maybe the tight ends are where you look for a little bit more production. I haven't thrown to the tight ends a ton. Tight ends always open in my world. Go ahead and throw it to one of those guys. But Barry, I think something that we we referenced this earlier, the run game, you know, where the OU run game is, I think on the offensive side of the ball has got to be the biggest concern right now. Seems to be stuck in neutral, but what are the long-term ramifications? It hasn't bitten the Sooners yet. Um, what are the long-term ramifications of a, a run game that seemingly really can't get going? Well, I don't think it's a deal breaker. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I thought it was a deal breaker. You know, when Bob Stoops got to town, he famously, uh, recall, you know, I, I would say that Bob, uh, read or retained approximately 1% of anything I ever wrote about college football. Um, <laughs> But the one percent he remembers is when uh, he got here and he hired Mike Leach. I said, "Yeah, I don't know. You, this is the middle of America. This is you know Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, Nebraska, Colorado. You got to run the ball. Now throwing's fine, but you got to run the ball in middle America. It gets cold in the winter, uh, late in the season. Winds heavy. You can't pass your way to prowess. And then of course Mike Leach and Josh Heupel come along, and you know pretty soon." You got uh, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and everybody knows the story. Uh, Stoops cackles at that. Still, he'll get a he. He won't call me by name, but he'll say, "Oh, they said uh, they said we had to run the ball. We couldn't run the air raid block." So he gets a, he gets a chuckle out of that. And of course, he was right. Who knew that Bob Stoops would know more football than me? <laughs> Miracles never cease. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I've come to you know, I've come to trust Bob on that. You don't have to run the ball anymore in, in American football. You can win. The NFL shows us uh, nice to run, yeah. uh, but you don't have to. And the Sooners have found enough wrinkles, primarily with Dylan Gabriel, you know, yeah. uh, whether it's not just scrambling, but he's, he's done some nice option runs, the quarterback draws. Quarterback draw was a huge play uh, repeatedly in the Texas game. So I think the Sooners will be able to to get by if they have to. Here's a you know we've done a lot of comparisons with 2000 and, and the, the OU Renaissance season when they won the national title and this one, when not a lot of expectations, they get on a roll, they sort of blossom against Texas, and where they go. If you remember in 2000, the OU running game was also slow to prosper. That's when uh, you know. Uh, Quentin Griffin was in year number one, I guess. That's the year they brought him out of red shirt. Uh, or not bringing him out of red shirt, but it's when he sort of uh, mid-season emerged. sort of uh, yeah. emerged is a good word. And 
And he yeah. ended up being a really valuable uh, producer. But that that was not a September phenomenon. That was a slow, slow build. Maybe the running game is is moving slowly, building to something. We haven't seen it yet. We don't know even who's the builder. We don't know who's going to get the uh, get the loaf of bread to carry. Uh, like I said, Javante Barnes would be my pick if he can get healthy. But I do. I, I've not lost hope in the running game. But they don't have to have it to be successful. Yeah, and I think what you said about wrinkles is right. And and Gabriel's the biggest of those wrinkles, Barry. I mean, he he's definitely become more of a force in the run game. Um, I think he's gotten better at it. Uh, I I think his vision as a runner is is way better than some of the mobile quarterbacks we've seen over the years. So I think he's definitely a weapon that they can use. And frankly, you know, the fact that he's got Jackson Arnold backing him up probably makes everybody breathe a little easier when he does take off. So that ability is they they're able to to you know sort of plug into that, if you will. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been a mystery to see. Uh, sort of the back and forth and, you know, Sawchuck's gotten a little run, but really wasn't, hasn't been very effective. So he's kind of been left by the wayside. Uh, Tywee Walker seems to have emerged in the Texas game after Marcus Major wasn't getting it done. So yeah, if Barnes could get healthy and they could, you know, see what they've got. I mean, I think that'd be interesting, but at this point, I think in the big 12, I'm not sure that they need the run game to be great, but if you want to go play for, you know, playoff wins. Uh, if you if that's an aspiration, I think you're going to need to run the ball better than they have right now. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know where I don't know where it goes from here. But um, you know, Gabriel's Gabriel's covering up a little bit of that. Of course, he's covering up a lot of things, doing a lot of great things. I mean, he I think his Heisman odds went up over the weekend, Barry. No doubt about it. If you look at Gabriel, he sort of snuck up on people in the Big Twelve. Uh, not a lot of debate. Or, or support for Gabriel as the Big 12's best quarterback going into this season. But he's clearly been the best quarterback in the Big 12. He leads the conference in yards, uh, touchdowns, quarterback rating, and he would have be the leader in completion percentage if, uh, if it weren't for Jalen Daniels, who has only played a couple of games. So he's clearly playing great. Um, some of the uh, some of the Heisman contenders have sort of fallen off. Michael Penix Jr. up at uh, Washington, clearly the front runner, but uh, everybody's old pal Caleb Williams had a miserable night in South Bend. His chances of uh, repeating at the Heisman not great at this point. Gabriel's going up the uh, uh, up the ladder. What do you think, Jacko? Could uh, in two thousand a left-handed quarterback led OU to the national title, finished second in the Heisman race? We're making uh, no predictions about the national title right now, but how about a second place or at least a trip to New York for the Heisman? Seems pretty likely at this point. I mean, I think that him, OU beating Texas and him, you know, performing better than Quinn Ewers, I think that's a good feather in the cap. Uh, Obviously, all these Pac-12 quarterbacks playing each other, and, you know, we saw, obviously, Penix beat Bo Bo Nix in Oregon, so that elevates Penix. You know, we're going to see some USC matching up against these teams. So I think the Pac-12 quarterback battle will play out on the field because they're going to have to play each other. Um, So then, you know, the question becomes, does anybody else from say the Big Ten or the ACC, um, you know, Jordan Travis down at Florida State. You know, there's going to be some other guys in the conversation, but if OU keeps winning, and there's no reason to think they won't keep winning at this point, 
and, and Gabriel keeps reforming well, I think he's at least going to get an invite. And, you know, then, you know, we'll see. We'll see how the voting goes. But um, it, it's it, I think he's going to be a finalist um, because I think the Sooners keep winning, which, frankly, uh, we haven't talked about the playoff yet, Barry. The, the Sooners' odds for the playoff, um, you know, their path to the playoff. We've obviously – we didn't see them play again this last week, but other teams did. Does their path look better, cleaner, more obvious? What do you think at this point about the playoffs for the Sooners? Well, it's it's sort of winnowing down, right? I mean, um, we, we've we've narrowed the number of, of unbeaten's. The ACC lost two unbeaten's in upsets, or uh, I'm sorry, they lost one unbeaten on Saturday. North Carolina State in the in the race, but uh, we're getting into a smaller pack, and um, Sooners are at least in the race. You know, this is this is like uh, the 1600 meters, and uh, they bring the everybody's ran about 700 meters. So uh, about halfway, start to make your move here. What we haven't had is a rash of upsets, I don't think. Yeah. So the key is uh, who's going to, who's going to get a, who's, who's going to lose a game. Maybe they shouldn't lose. Um, it's when Washington plays Oregon, when OU plays Texas, those are, those are the, those are the kinds of games somebody's got to lose. So you're automatically going to have an O loss team and a one loss team. But can you avoid the uh, the pothole of losing to a Central Florida or a Kansas or or Bedlam, that's what the Sooners need to do to get back to that uh, that game against Arlington and uh, in Arlington against probably Texas and see how you do. Uh, at that point, you might have the uh, such a good rosy situation, depending on how it all breaks out, that you wouldn't even have to win. We saw TCU last year go in unbeaten. Yeah. into the Big 12 championship game, lose, still go to the playoff. The key is getting there unscathed yeah. uh, and then take your chances. If it's Texas at 11-1, and one, you're going to have to beat Texas, I think, a second time. But that's something any Sooner fan would take right now is, is a, a rematch with Texas as an unbeaten Big 12 uh, frontrunner. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it's uh, if Oklahoma wants to make the playoff, you at least have to get to the title game undefeated because of the way the Big 12 is this year. I mean, it's wildly entertaining for those of us watching it because you literally have no idea the outcome of games before they start. You know, you don't, who's going to win? A lot of years you could look at the, the list of games and say, oh, I can pick at least, you know, five of the six winners this week or whatever. Now it's, it seems like it's just toss up, toss up, toss up. So, this is a league that, while entertaining, is not as good as it has been some other years. You referenced that earlier, Barry. But I think that means that if Oklahoma wants to get to the playoff, they have to win out the regular season and then see where things stand in the Big 12 title game. But I, I think that they've got a good chance to win out the way that they're playing right now. Um, UCF on the docket for Saturday. What, what's your score prediction for Saturday, Barry? I got the Sooners winning 42-24. How about that? Well, that's in the neighborhood. I think I said, I'm going to say 47-21. Um, uh, UCF can move the ball. Timmy McLean is a, is a solid quarterback. And John Reese Plumley, in theory, could be coming back at some point. I haven't heard today what uh, Gus has said about, about the availability of his quarterback. But I do think Sooners will have to score quite a bit to have a comforting uh, advantage. The good news is uh, I think they will score a bunch. UCF, uh, if uh, my memory is right, I think UCF gave up 50 to Kansas. So yeah. 
I think I think Sooners can get in that neighborhood pretty easily. I'm going to say 47-21. Hey, that's all the time we've got this week. Remember the uh, the Sooners play Central Florida on Saturday at Owen Field. We'll have all sorts of OU content this week at selloutcrowd.com. We're also at barrytrammell.com and jenny-carlson.com. And if this happens to be your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite app to get your podcast. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. Thanks for joining us. As my friend Jacko says, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. See you next week.